Welcome to the Weekly Sprawl. You are tuned into episode 45. Today we have an exciting episode. We're going to talk about a division that I think has three legitimate teams in it and give you our opinions on the NFC South. Um, I'm excited for this one. I got my co-hosts with me here, Matthew Durgan and Casey Sully. How are you guys doing? Ready to rock and roll. Good. The last domino has fallen in the quarterback carousel. So oh, yeah. I'm excited to talk about that. There Cam Newton. Go joining the Patriots, and uh, the NFC South, I think, is going to be pretty interesting, especially with Tom Brady entering that division. So I think this will be a good episode. Yeah, you got some some legit talent. Let's talk about Cam Newton, though, since that's uh, pretty recently just happened here. What do you think about that, Casey? You think this, uh, this does this make the Patriots uh, contenders again, or what are we thinking? Uh, I, I, it's... I think it makes them better than Jarrett Stidham, even though I pounded the table for <laughs> Mr. Stidham uh, a few episodes ago because he's just an unknown. And uh, it's possible he's grown and, and capable as a, as a starter, but apparently the Patriots do not feel that way, and that's why they, they brought in Cam Newton. I still think it's a big personality clash between Belichick and Cam Newton, um, so we'll see how they, they sort of get along and, and mesh those two things. Um, Cam likes to wear those big outfits and interact with the fans and say things, and Belichick is the opposite. He'll just say on to Cincinnati 50 times for his press conference, and that's not <laughs> the way Cam, Cam Newton's going to roll. So it'll be interesting to see that kind of dynamic. But uh, when he's healthy, I think he's clearly one of the better quarterbacks in the league. It's just whether he's going to be healthy or not. That's that's the big question. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's not a matter of if he's better than Stidham because he probably is, and he brings this team possibly to a new level that they didn't have with Stidham. With Stidham, I think they were kind of you know, looking at a 9-7 and seven at best season. Oh. But if they have Cam Newton and he's healthy, then they could be a possible Super Bowl contender. I don't think they are. I think he's kind of washed at this point. I think he has two major injuries, one shoulder, one foot. So I don't think he's going to be at his top level, but things he doesn't need to be at that level. All he needs to do is be a game manager who can run the ball. And they saw that last year with Tom Brady, not running the ball, but being a game manager, and they still won the division. So I don't think while they are title contenders, like ESPN, those hacks are trying to hype up <laughs> them to be. They're saying that you know, the Patriots actually can win it all now, this and that. No, that's not happening. But this is a low-risk, high-reward signing, and it's all Belichick move. You get a good quarterback for cheap. So there's no risk here at all. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got cut somehow early in the season, nor would I be surprised if he led the team to division title. You know, it's it's interesting. Quick, quick thought just before Cyrus goes, but Josh McDaniels was the offensive coordinator and head coach of Tim Tebow in Denver when uh they won a playoff game against the Steelers yeah so clearly he has something sort of in his tool book that he can pull from with a, a mobile quarterback who who knows what his shoulder is like that might struggle with accuracy until he's fully back but that's an interesting thought to to know that that offense is capable of at least pulling on some experience Josh McDaniels is if there's a normal offseason I would think it wouldn't be as big of a deal but with a uncertain offseason as we all know and don't know what it's going to look like, I think it's going to be tough to totally revamp that offense. Yeah, I think the normal offseason ship has sailed, has left the port. It is already sort of a, a different type of offseason. Um, listen, I love Cam Newton. I'm a big fan. 
but let's not pretend he's some savior at quarterback that's going to come in and help the Patriots all of a sudden make it back to the Super Bowl. Cam Newton, I mean, he's in, he's been in the league for nine years now. He's only had three winning seasons in those nine years, 2013, 2015, 2017, excuse me. I mean, you can argue whether that's his fault, whether that's the organization not providing him enough weapons or talent, uh, whatever it may be. But I mean, you, you look at that and juxtapose it to the Patriots organization who have not had a losing season since 2000. And that's Tom Brady's rookie year. So for reference, Cam Newton was like 11 when the last time the Patriots had a losing season. So <laughs> it's it's just a totally different environment. I'm really excited to see how he adapts and if he can come in and kind of put his ego aside and just, uh, you know, perform. Um, and assuming he can stay healthy, I do think this is a tremendous upgrade over Stidham. This team was just lacking at quarterback uh, in terms of talent. I mean, it was Stidham, and then they, they whether Cam Newton comes in and even backs up Stidham, they needed somebody in the room. So I think it's a great signing. It's one year up worth up to $7.5 million, basically all incentive-based. So it's all based on performance, and there's very, very little risk for the organization, for the Patriots. Classic signing for Bill Belichick. I love the move. I think Cam Newton is, is going to be grateful to get another shot, and, and if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to show some people some things this year. So I think it'll be interesting. Yep. Yep. I mean, if there's a scenario where Cam Newton is going to be successful, it's the Patriots. I mean, he, he can be himself. He doesn't have to worry about... But can he, though? Um, can he be himself? I feel like I mean, he won't be able I, to be I, himself. I, I saw this video of Bill Belichick talking to the Rutgers football team. By the way, Rutgers is a terrible football program, so I don't know why he's talking to them. <laughs> but he, he was talking about how after you make a big play, you can celebrate this and that. So if Cam Newton wants to be himself on the field and flashy, as long as he's successful, I don't think Belichick's going to be mad. But then he also knows his role. He's not going to go in there and be all flashy, make it all about him. Because if he is, then... I agree. Then Belichick's going to ship his ass out. Yeah, but I think he can be himself on the field, which is the most important part of Cam's game. Sure, but also, I mean, let's you know, let's remember this team is still fairly talentless at the skill positions. I mean, you oh, had yeah. Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks in the history of football, kind of struggling. Um, you know, to Tom Brady's standards, um, there's not much there for Cam Newton. So, I'm I'm a I'm a little skeptical that he's as big of a game changer as the media is hyping him up to be, but mm-hmm. I do think it's a good signing regardless. I just it it just doesn't really I mean, I think their best weapon is probably Nikhil Harry at this point, maybe Julian Edelman. Um I don't know. Son- Sony yeah. Michelle, all of them have kind of been inconsistent here or there and it'll be interesting to see how Cam Newton does in this offense, but I I think that uh Josh McDaniels, because Josh McDaniels made Tim Tebow look good. So if he can make Tim Tebow look good, assuming Cam Newton's healthy, I'm sure he can do. He can he can make Cam Newton look like the Cam Newton we're used to seeing. And yeah. this is this is also not the Patriots giving up on Stidham. I mean, best case scenario for them, I think, is Cam Newton does good enough to warrant a big contract somewhere else, and you give Stidham your franchise guy one more year to develop. So it's not like they're losing anything, losing development in Stidham's game. You just give them one more year to understand how to play quarterback. And we've seen in the past with Aaron Rodgers. The more QB sits and learns, the better they end up being usually. Yeah, especially if they have work to to do also on their mechanics and, and mm-hmm. learning the game and stuff. So Stidham, Stidham was a later round pick and, and may need that 
that time. And like you said, I think there's minimal risk. I mean, if he leaves in free agency, they get a compensatory pick mm-hmm. based on his contract. So if he signs a big big dollar contract after this year, they're probably going to get a third or fourth round pick, which recoups what they just lost. Um, they just got fined a 2021 third round pick um, for that videotaping incident they had this last year um, when they were filming the Bengals versus the Browns. Um, so they got fined $1.1 million for that. The franchise did, and they lost a, a third round pick. So that could potentially, signing Cam Newton here, could potentially recoup that third round pick for them next year if they if he signs a big contract. Yeah, And it was all announced on the same day, which is just a total Patriots move. It is. They're smart. Got to give them yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, definitely one of the smartest organizations. You don't have that much success without being that smart. Uh, let's let's dive into some other organizations that might be smart or might not be. We'll give them give them our takes on um, what we think here with the <laughs> NFC South. Durgan, you wanna you wanna start us off with what you think might shake out in this division? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Uh, like you said earlier, Cyrus, it's a stacked division. I mean, it's one of the better divisions in football. Uh, but how I see it shaking out is I have the Saints in first place at twelve and four. Bucks in second place at ten and six. They will be one of the wild card teams. The Falcons at eight and eight, and the Panthers at five and eleven. The Saints just have the deepest roster in the division, also the best coach. Breeze isn't what he was in his prime, uh, so to speak, but he's still very solid and he's very good. He's got offensive line, good weapons around him. It comes down to their defense, which I think has in the past held him back from being a Super Bowl winning team. I think it will do so once again. Uh, I think they're more built for a regular season team right now than the postseason. They have one good pass rusher in Cam Jordan. Marcus Davenport, a young rookie on the edge. Can he develop into that legitimate you know, edge demon pass rusher? They get Malcolm Jenkins, though, which is uh, doesn't hurt for sure. But don't see them, once again, uh, being Super Bowl winners. But we'll win the division. Uh, Bucks will be improved. I think the media is overhyping them a little bit. Uh, Arians needs to change the offense for Brady to fit his skill set. But they have so many weapons on that team. Uh, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, OJ Howard, Cambray. I mean, that's right there. That's all you need to succeed. Running backs, got to figure out who's going to be the main guy. Probably Ronald Jones. Who knows? Their defense, though needs to continue to improve. Uh, Todd Bowles, hell of a coordinator. Terrible head coach, but hell of a coordinator. Uh, Shaq Barrett, last year led the league in sacks. Can he repeat that, or was he a one-year wonder? Who knows? Then you have the Falcons, and you have Dan Quinn, who should have been fired, but wasn't fired. You have a good offense, littered with first-round picks. I think 10 of their 11 starters are uh, former first-round picks, which is pretty crazy. One of them is Todd Gurley, who they got from the Rams. Throw some butter onto him. He's toast. His knees are done. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like that signing. I mean, I guess it's a low risk, high reward, but I just don't think he has the juice anymore. Could prove me wrong. Who knows? Uh, their defense doesn't have much there. They did sign Dante Fowler, but their secondary is really young, and when you're going up against Breeze and Brady, you're going to need good cornerbacks. And then finally, you have the Panthers, who I don't think are a bad team, per se. They're just a team that's a year or two away from being good. Matt Rule, I think he's going to be a really good head coach. Uh, Their offense coordinator, Joe Brady, who came from LSU, I think he's only 31 years old. He's going to be a future head coach, either at the college or NFL level. Bridgewater is limited, but he's accurate, and he can win you some games. 
And also when you have Christian McCaffrey throw the ball to, your job's a lot easier. Uh, offense line, pretty poor. And their defense uh, is going to give up a lot of points. So I don't think they'll be too competitive. But I wouldn't be surprised if they pull out some upset wins. Yeah, I agree for the most part on everything you said. Um, I think That's those right. analyses right. are, are sort of on the on, on the nose, and you, you nailed it. Um, this, I would say for the Saints. This is unprecedented, just letting everybody know. know. Casey <laughs> agreeing with Durgan. I don't know if that's What's ever happened. What's going on? <laughs> here we are. We're making firsts on the weekly spiral <laughs> here, 45 episodes in. Um, my biggest concern with the Saints, I think, like you said, they're the most complete team, but I think they're super, super thin at the top. And if one of those big three goes down, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. So if Michael Thomas goes down, Alvin Kamara or Drew Brees, I know they have Jameis Winston now, but uh, I, I don't know that I trust him to win games and not lose them um, yeah. at this point because that's what he was sort of doing with the Bucks. For every game that he would win, he would throw another one away. So that would be my big concern with them. That being said, I still have them at 13-3 and three and being the number one seed in the NFC. Um, I actually have the Bucks missing the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. Um, Falcons at six and ten, finishing third, and the Panthers at four and twelve. Um, I think the Bucks. There's just too many. I'm worried. There's uh, too many one-hit wonders on defense. Like you said, Shaquille Barrett had 19 and a half sacks last year. Uh, can he do that again? I don't know. But on on offense, they have maybe the best skill group in the NFL with Evans, Gronk, OJ Howard, uh, Godwin. Those are some really good players on the outside. And it seems sort of a shame that now we're at this point in Tom Brady's career where he has all these weapons, um, but maybe he doesn't have the arm strength to get it to all those weapons and in the fashion that Bruce Arian likes to do. He likes to push the ball down the field, and Brady, he ain't about that life. He wants to get the ball out quick. He doesn't want to take those hits, uh, and he likes that short underneath dump-offs. That's why um, they've used James White in New England so often. He had Danny Woodhead for a little while. Um, all those guys have been super important in that offense because Brady loves throwing those little checkdowns and dump-offs to his, his running backs. Um, and I don't know that the Bucks have that guy. Ronald Jones played pretty well last year, but he's he's not that same type of, of, of player as, as a James White or um, any of those other guys, Austin Eckler or someone like that, Darren Sproles, that you can, you can get in space and, and make things happen um, in the passing game. So... You know, I, I think they'll they'll be good, and it wouldn't be su- surprising to me if they make the playoffs. But um, just going through the schedule, I, I they're playing some tough teams, and and I can see them dropping a few that they they shouldn't, uh, especially early on in the year while Brady's growing accustomed to that 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 offense, and uh, find themselves looking out uh, at the playoffs at the end of the season. Um, Falcons' offensive line, it's tough, man, and I think that's probably going to be their downfall. Like the the Bucks, they have a lot of good skill players. I think Gurley has a couple of years left. I think the the tires are wearing thin, but I, I think he's going to play pretty well this year. He's not going to be the world beater that he used to be, but they have Calvin Ridley, who I think is really just a number one receiver stuck behind um, Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And they can have some, some studs on that offense. Matt Ryan is as capable as ever, but I, I just think back to that game where they were playing the Saints last year. Uh, it might have been Monday Night Football or something like that, or, or something. It was uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah it was Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, and Youngway Koo nailed three onside kicks in a row 
and they recovered every single one of them and they were going to make this comeback and i was super excited because i was like oh the packers can take the the saints seed and uh get home field advantage throughout the playoffs uh and then that offensive line collapsed and gave up like three to four sacks in a single drive when they were trying to mount mount that final game winning drive um and they lost so sort of in typical falcons fashion last year uh (laughs) The defense is Quinn's calling card, and it has to be better. They really struggled in the beginning of the year. They pulled it together a little bit towards the end, but um, I'm sort of with you. I think he did not earn a, a, another chance here this this year. So I imagine his leash is pretty short. So if things start going poorly, he may be out pretty quickly. Um, Panthers are just in a rebuild. I, I don't believe in Teddy. Um, he doesn't push the ball down the field, and I think – Robbie Anderson's really kind of going to be wasted there. I I don't think his skill set matches what uh, Bridgewater does well. And I I like what they're doing on defense. They went all defense this draft, not a single offensive player. But I think they're still going to be a couple of years away. They're going to be super young. Uh, I think Matt Rule's a good good pick as head coach. Um, They just don't really have any pieces out of Christian McCaffrey on offense and Robbie Anderson. And I don't think that really fits um, Bridgewater's skill set he's not a guy that can take over games he needs guys to help him mm-hmm. yeah very true all good takes all good takes this is going to be a relatively friendly episode so far because i also agree with most of what you said um but i do want to address the panthers because i feel like you're disrespecting dj moore and Cur- curtis samuel who are both legit offensive weapons um are they elite no the only elite player on the entirety of the panthers roster at this point is probably christian mccaffrey um and that's just how it is teddy is a wild card you know, I'd love to see him come out and, and be, you know, good and guns blazing and stuff, but I'm not confident he can lead this team, and I don't know that there's enough there for him to lead, and he's never really done it elsewhere. I mean, his Pro Bowl season, he had, I think he had like 14 touchdowns and nine interceptions and 3,000 yards, so it's not as if he's, you know, even <laughs> pre-knee injury was some sort of elite talent that we're waiting to see what he can do, like in a, in a Cam Newton situation, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was a little puzzled by the signing. Um, I thought Kyle Allen showed some flashes and, you know, promise, and maybe you could groom him into something. But um, I didn't necessarily see too much with Teddy Bridgewater on the Saints as, when he played a little bit. And I, 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 was, I was confused. This was one of the more confusing signings in the offseason. Um, and it's something where I don't know it'll work out, honestly, uh, you know. I do like their talent. I, I think if they develop, DJ Moore could be a legit receiver in this game. I like Robbie Anderson. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in this game. Uh, Curtis Samuel has some wiggle. He's like a diet Christian McCaffrey. So we'll, I, I, we'll see. I think the Panthers are probably, I think their ceiling is probably 7-9. and nine, And I think they actually achieve 5-11. and 11. I think that's where they end up this season, uh, which is maybe even a little generous. But um, they're, definitely, they're definitely the odd man out in this division. So I'll get them out of the way first here. And then we have the three teams, which I think um, ceiling is winning the division, all three of them. The Falcons, they're stacked. They're always stacked, though, and they always seem to underperform. Dan Quinn, I don't know what you're doing, man, but you may be the one of the few head coaches that underperform with the level of talent that the Falcons organization has put for you on the field. And I don't understand how you can be a defensive guru and then have underperforming defenses with talent on it. Like, you look at this this roster, they're stacked on defense. They're stacked everywhere except maybe corner. Um, so, I, I don't know. This is a prove-it season for him. I think I don't think he gets fired midseason. 
unless they're really bad, like really, really bad. Like if they lose like six out of the first eight games, then I think he's gone. But I think the Falcons probably end up somewhere around nine and seven, miss the playoffs. Um, and then we have the two serious contenders in this division, which for me are the Saints and the Bucks. And I have both of them at 11 and five. And I think it could go either way, but I'm going to pick the Bucks to win this division. Um, I think this is their year. I like the talent they have. They have two top 10 wide receivers. They have a top tight end and a top 15 tight end potentially if he develops and OJ Howard and um, obviously Rob Gronkowski is an elite talent has chemistry with Tom Brady. I like Bruce Arians scheme a lot. I, I'm with you, Casey. I'm a little confused on the, the fit with Brady and, and how they'll make that work. Uh, I don't know that he's an air raid type of QB, but I'm sure, you know, one of the, one of the, probably the best quarterback to play the position could make it work and figure it out with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, on, on the other end. So I, I like the Bucks' chances. I think they could run a lot of 12 personnel with, with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard and uh, Gronkowski, and there's going to be mismatches everywhere. So I, I think the Bucks have all of the pieces. I think Bruce Arians is a great coach, uh, maybe a little bit below Sean Payton, but Drew Brees is Drew Brees. So that gives the Saints every chance to win this division as well. And as long as he's able to play and he's healthy, they'll be competitive. You know, you touched on it, Casey. They have top-tier talent and not much backing that up in terms of offensive skill positions so if Kamara underperforms they're going to struggle I think he needs to step it up he didn't play up to his potential last season Michael Thomas is top five no doubt in my mind at his position Drew Brees is top five so good defense there's no reason that the Saints can't win this division either but I'm going to go Bucks 11 and 5 both of these teams I think the Bucks win the tiebreaker and take this division title it's funny you mentioned the Bucks ranked 12 personnel a lot because someone asked Bruce Arians, and he said that's going to be like their base formation, which in theory will help them run the ball because they need to be able to run the ball, and I think in order to do well, uh, when you have 12 personnel, Casey, you can probably speak more about it, but the defense is tough for them to kind of react to that if you have actual pass-catching tight ends because you can't go nickel and those run on you. You can't go heavy or the pass on you. Mm -hmm. So if they do run that well, that's going to be dangerous. Yeah, it's a it's a matchup league. So if you can get the defense in a in a personnel grouping that you can exploit, um, you just run the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just no mercy. Like if you, if their guy that you're putting over Gronk is not able to stand up to his blocking, you just run right at Gronk every single time. And if he can't cover him in space. Then you play action and you work him out and, and get him open and and uh, some tight end routes and stuff like that. So it, it's I mean you kind of nailed it. Like it, are, how are you going to defend both those tight ends and still be able to cover those receivers outside? That's the big question. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of a lot of teams have two linebackers or two hybrid guys that you can put on a a tight end like OJ Howard and and Rob Gronkowski and and be confident that they can hold up the whole game. Some teams have one. Um, I doubt very many have to. Yeah, and I think the guy who reaps the rewards of this also is going to be Ronald Jones. You know, he had all the potential coming out, um, I think, two years ago in the draft, and he's kind of underperformed so far in the league. But with the spotlight on literally everybody else, he's going to have a big season. I'm calling it now. If you have a chance to draft him late in your fantasy drafts or mid-round, I would take a shot on Ronald Jones. Yeah. Yeah, and they also drafted Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt relatively early, I think the second or third round this year. So if Ronald Jones doesn't work out, 
then he's going to have someone on his ass ready to take his spot. So I think I agree with you, though. I mean, Jones, this is a perfect scenario for him. He has that kind of fire underneath his ass to get him going. And I think he's going to have a big season or someone running the ball with a big season for the Bucks. But in terms of fantasy as well, I'd watch out for Godwin or Evans. I don't think both of them will have huge seasons. Right now, ESPN has them both as top 10 fantasy receivers. And while they are both top 10 skill-wise, I don't know if Brady is going to get them the ball, get them each the ball enough for them to uh, be big-time producers of fantasy for you. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think there's too many targets on that offense for fantasy viability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the ball is just going to be spread pretty equally, and yeah. no one's going to be this top-tier monster guy that's going to get you you know, 15 or 20 points every single game. Um, but you might get a, a consistent low 10s or something like that from, from those guys, which is fine, but um, they're going to be competing for touches outside yes. with the tight ends and the receivers. Yeah. And running backs. Yeah. There's only one football, as they say. But exactly. I do think um, the safest bet, just positionally, would be Gronkowski. I mean, he's just far and away the best tight end on that team. Um, so if you have a chance to take him, and it's not your first-round pick or your second-round pick, I'd probably take him. I mean, O.J. Howard is great, but you got to imagine that chemistry between TB12 and, and uh, Gronkowski shows. Yeah. You'd think, but he's been out of the league a year, and there's some pretty top-tier tight ends that are probably ahead of Kittle. You got Kelsey, you got Ertz or Goddard. Yeah, Waller. but let's, I mean, so, Kittle, Kelsey, Ertz are probably going I think, second, third round. I think people might be more prone to overdraft Rob Gronkowski based on what they still envision him doing in, in New England yeah, yeah. over two years ago. I could see that. That's true. I could see that for sure. They don't don't overdraft him. I'm not saying take him with your first pick. Don't take him over Kittle. Don't take him over Kelsey. <laughs> well, yeah. Or either of the, the Eagles tight ends, I don't think. Well, I don't well, know. We saw Goddard. I would take him over Goddard first, yes. first and foremost. I don't know. I would. I love I love Goddard. He's That's my favorite guy. person. Uh-huh. Aside from Aaron I love, I love hearing you say that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, last time we saw last time we saw, we saw Gronk play, he was more of a offensive lineman <clears throat> than he was yeah. a receiver. Granted, I think he's lost like sixty pounds since then, and he's kind of now back at his playing weight when he first started, which mm-hmm. is still massive like muscles, but not as like big as he was. And I will my, make my final point here for NFC South with a conspiracy theory. But I have to say <laughs> okay. something controversial here. Okay, I think. That the Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater with the intention of, of him sucking. And they will suck this year. I think they'll be alright, but they want to suck this year so that they can get the first overall pick and get Trevor Lawrence. And then you have Trevor Lawrence and you have Christian McCaffrey on the same team. And that automatically puts you at the top of the division. Not a chance. Zero chance. Incorrect. First. False. All of this is Heard wrong. First. You don't pay a quarterback $63 million for three years to suck. There's no way. You can, cut you can him. do that for you, free with Kyle Allen. You can cut him after the 2021 season and have own like $5 million in cap space or own $5 million in dead money. I think it's $33 so million it's really, guaranteed. It's really, I don't I don't know if that's true, man. Look at it right now. It's $15 million uh, signing bonus. Uh, yeah, 33 guarantees. So that's already paid off, though. So that's already like a sunk cost. And then this year, making $8 million. 2021, making $17 million. If you cut him, you own $5 million and that's it. That's worth it for a franchise quarterback if you can lose and get Brevard Lawrence. 
I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know that you need to go out and sign anybody if your goal is to lose. Like, like Casey said, Kyle Allen is perfectly capable of losing on his own. We saw. We saw that. I, I mean, you have to, He'll probably do it in Washington this year at some point. So you know, I, I don't well, know. Yeah. I, I don't. It's a very very conspiracy oriented theory. I, I I don't think that that's true. I don't know. You, I'm just saying. Clemson, South Carolina. The Panthers of North Carolina. I think they would love to have him, but I, I think there's saying, better ways to tank. There are better ways to tank, but you, you, want, you want to give the uh, facade that you are trying. I'm just saying. I'm okay, just but saying. I, I don't know. They signed Robbie Anderson and gave Chris McCaffrey a big deal and signed Teddy Bridgewater. I think there's a uh, cost-effective way to... I mean, the, the Dolphins didn't have any qualms about trading every single player that's even remotely good from there. Well, they like, tore the house down. They, 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 they yeah they went to from uh, very little to like negative players. Yeah. the Dolphins put on yeah. a clinic on how to tank and and then yeah. how to rebuild and, and they, too. Then yeah. it worked. It might have worked. Didn't even do it very well. Yeah, yeah. Unless Sorry, Tua, unless Tua pans out, but anyways. Yeah. Huh? Who knows? Yeah. Well, and Brian Flores ended oh. up winning a few games, which probably they were hoping wouldn't happen, <laughs> but <laughs> didn't happen. Uh, yeah. You know, they got to a. It'll be fine over there in Miami. Um, so that's the NFC South. I do have one more thing. Casey, you tweeted something out on the Weekly Spiral account this past <laughs> week that deeply, deeply hurt and upset me. Do you want to tell mm-hmm. the people what it is that you said? Uh, well, I can only imagine that you're referring to the fact that I, I put Wentz at number nine in my quarterback rankings behind um, the uh, Viking himself, Kirk Cousins, and the lion that roars Matthew Stafford um, because they've just accomplished more in their careers and they're better quarterbacks than Wentz's. And, uh, oh, no. you know, oh, I, no. I think I was representing all of us fairly when I tweeted that. And um, we can all agree that Wentz is overrated and nine is pretty generous. In fact, I, I, I might even say Cyrus, I will let you uh, attack him. But I have to ask, <laughs> was Lamar Jackson ranked ahead of Carson Wentz? Uh, I don't even remember. I think on so, Casey's yeah. ranking oh, right. or my yeah. ranking so, on Casey's on, on the weekly spirals uh, tweet. Yeah, I think I, I think I had Aaron Rodgers. I think I had Lamar Jackson, Pat, Patrick Mahomes. Um, or I have Drew Brees. I can accept all of these guys. I mean, well, I say, Lamar, Lamar sorry, Jackson just won him. the MVP. Kirk Cousins has never yeah. received an MVP vote in his career. So look. I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is bad, all right? I, I like him a, a little bit. Uh, props for becoming <laughs> a, a solid bit. starter <laughs> in this league after being a fourth-round pick. I mean, he's not a bad player at all. Like, you see it. He passes the eye test. His stats look good. It's easy to see the upside if you just look at that top-line stats. I mean, he's averaged over 260 yards per game throughout his career. He's completed nearly 70% of his passes in most seasons. He's threw... I think he threw... What did he do in 2018? 30 touchdowns? Something like that? On the Vikings? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you don't even have the stats for your boy? I have his four-year stats, but... Anyway, uh, I, I'm pretty sure he, he surpassed 30 touchdowns in 2018, regressed a little bit last year. 20, 26. Yeah, 30, 26 last year. 30 touchdowns in 2018, 26 in 2019. Yeah. But listen, there's a point in every NFL player's career where upside is exhausted and you reach that ceiling. Kirk Cousin has reached that, and he is now on the decline. His top-line stats, while good, are a complete facade. 
beneath all these gaudy yardage stats that are all telling you these whispering these sweet nothings in your ear, Casey, these lies, uh, uh-huh. yeah. Cousins is really just a choke artist and a bad quarterback overall. He's six and twenty nine against winning teams. He has a career road record of thirteen twenty four and two, and a combined primetime record of seven and twenty five. He's zero for nine on Monday Night Football, oh. and he's one for eleven when the Vikings are trailing in the fourth quarter. He's not zero for twenty. He hasn't played on Monday Night Football twenty five times. I didn't say zero for twenty nine. I said six for twenty nine against winning teams. Yeah, zero for nine. And then you said on yeah. Monday Night Football. I heard t- zero for twenty nine. Zero for nine. Bad. <laughs> zero. <laughs> That'd, for be nine. Like, That'd be impressive. That'd be impressive. Anyway, I, I'm all for the fact remains he has that. yet to win a Monday Night Football game in his career. And okay. to top it all off, I think this is where we're gonna we're we're gonna split hairs. He is the worst quarterback mm-hmm. in the league from the ten yard line in. The worst. Okay. Not even anyone ahead of him. Out of twenty seven eligible quarterbacks, he has the lowest passer rating out of all of them. Does Carson Wentz even have is he even eligible because he doesn't play in a lot of games because he's hurt a lot. See? Which is part of the reason why hey, I put I'm glad Kirk you asked Cousins this. Ahead I'm really him. glad you asked this. Because Carson Wentz is top five in efficiency in the red zone. That probably That's surprises fantastic. you. You probably wouldn't expect that. I, I, it doesn't really surprise me. I think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. Like, All right. I, I, there's All right. no doubt about that. But he's not as good as Kirk Cousins, and he hasn't proved it year in and year out. Right? Like you said, Kirk Cousins has all these stats, right? His TD percentage is higher. He throws less interceptions. His yards per attempt is higher because he's throwing and pushing the ball down the field more than Carson Wentz. Harder throws to make, and he still has a better completion percentage. His quarterback rating is six points higher than Carson Wentz. Uh, like He's completing 67.8% of his passes in his first four years versus Carson Wentz completing 63.8. Um, he's played in, in, in eight more games in his first four years than Carson Wentz did. Um, so listen i hear your criticisms but these are all valid i said it in the beginning he has good stats i'm not saying he doesn't but you take these stats and you look at them against top 10 defenses and Wentz far surpasses cousins in every category let's just look at last year against top 10 pass dvoa teams Wentz is three and two cousins went zero and four against top 10 pass defenses he had a 55 percent completion rate Wentz had 62 percent as well and PFF ranks the the surrounding cast for Kirk Cousins, especially in primetime games and against top-tier teams. And it found that his supporting cast performed much lower than they averagely do. Uh, and it's not Kirk Cousins that's necessarily struggling. It's his surrounding cast. The offensive line graded out worse. The receivers graded out worse, as you might expect, because they're better defenses. But Kirk Cousins actually grades out slightly better than uh, he normally does. If that's the case, so, then why across the board does every pass that Kirk Cousins completes have a much higher yards after catch than Carson Wentz? It has higher yards after catch because he has maybe better ball placement? Or maybe because he has better weapons and you're just taking a small sample size of this 0-9 and nine Monday Night Football or sort whatever Sort of like it may you be. are in the red zone. Or the red zone's not a small sample size. primetime games. I mean, that's a lot. That's like, a lot. And that's the most important position You're referencing nine games of his entire career. Like, you're, you're referencing these small little no, microcosms of like, oh, top 10 defenses, these super cherry-picked stats. Well, you can go both ways with Top that. 10 defenses all of last year. I'm not talking about one or one or two games. I mean, it's 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 a fact, and it's known that Kirk Cousins underperforms against good teams. 
and I just told you there's stats that back up that he isn't underperforming. It's his surrounding cast struggles, and he's performing at above or uh, at the same level that he normally See, does. See, if it was just a year or two of that, then I might agree with you, but he's had enough surrounding casts in his eight years in the NFL that th- there's, a, there's sort of a common denominator, and it's not the surrounding cast at that point. I mean, he, he had it's weapons t- in Washington. Surrounding cast, like, he had weapons maybe in, the best in offensive line Minnesota. for the last five years in, in Philadelphia. Top weapons like uh, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, top five tight ends there. You got Alshon Jeffrey, had Deshaun Jackson. You have guys that have played for the Eagles that are no slouches. Do you think... And Kirk Cousins had Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs and an, an ass offensive Adam line. Thielen and Stephon Diggs were top 10 on the Vikings in the past two years when they played... They're great wide receivers. Uh, I don't think either of those. Thielen guys had were like really fourteen hundred yards. Stephon Diggs had over a thousand yards. Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. I'm, Kyle Rudolph is one of the best tight ends that in the those league. Those guys were good. I never said those guys weren't good. I'm just saying the Eagles had it too. It's not like Carson the Wentz Eagles is did doing not it have with it. nobody. They are doing it with nobody. Aside from this last, this last. Tell me half something of the about season, Greg maybe. Ward. I don't know shit That's about what I'm Greg Ward. I just said. Can you let me finish my sentence? Aside from the last end of the season. The Eagles have weapons. Two top five tight ends on the same field are weapons. The best offensive line in the league is a weapon. How are they not? Kirk Cousins has like the number 30th ranked offensive line. And he's still completing a higher percentage of passes deeper than Carson Wentz is. Yeah, he has Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he has Adam Thielen. Yeah, he had Stephon Diggs. All right. But his offensive line is pretty bad. Can you name some receivers on the Redskins when he was starting there? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson. Really. He had Deshaun Pierre Jackson Garçon. for a little bit. Oh, you don't think the, Pierre Garçon the is your talent that Pierre Garçon was? You don't think Pierre Garçon Boy. is one of the best possession receivers that he's the Redskins just, have had? He's just as good as Alshon Jeffrey was. When Alshon Jeffrey plays. Yeah. yeah. When Pierre Garçon plays, because he had concussions and injury issues as well. Not to the same degree as Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, the last year, Alshon Jaffrey barely played. But he's been a contributor just as much as Pierre Gasson was for, for Kirk Cousins in, in Washington. So I'm saying all things can go both ways. Carson Wentz isn't without weapons. Neither is Kirk Cousins. It's a team game, ultimately. Casey. Right? And that's sort listen, of where we're... You coach, a quarter, you coach quarterbacks. You coach wide receivers. You coach, you coach entire offenses. Is the wide receiver not more important than a tight end in terms of receiving yards. I mean, isn't that something that's important to have for a quarterback to succeed? You've seen it in Green Bay even when Devontae Adams went out. You see it a lot with teams when they're devoid of talent at wide receiver, the offense is stagnant. Is it not? I mean, the Packers are not a good example because I think they played better when Devontae Adams went out. But I hear your point. A top-tier tight end is just as valuable, though, because of the matchup issues that we talked about earlier uh, about the the NFC South. Um, and yeah, you need somebody outside you do. And there's no denying the Eagles are super banged up and all that last year. Like he wasn't working with much, but he still had a top off offensive line. And he still had some top tight ends. Um, and Kirk cousins had two top receivers. I don't know that they're in the top 10. Like you said, I think they're sort of borderline, uh, at, at that position. Dalvin cooks always injured and their offensive line struggled. So uh, like, where their offensive line struggled in Minnesota, the Eagles receivers struggled in Philadelphia. And that changes the way the offenses work and the dynamics and what they're, the quarterbacks are being asked to do. And so that's why it's so hard to compare quarterbacks. But 
ultimately, I think Kirk Cousins has proved it more consistently from year to year than Carson Wentz has. And that's why I ranked him ahead of him. He's won a playoff game. Um, he's he's completed balls at, at a really efficient rate. And he's done what they've asked him to do in Minnesota. He, he won a game against the Saints. Like, how, how much more clutch can you, you be than that in the playoffs and overtime against a really, really good defense to go march down and complete a bomb to Adam Thielen and then throw a red zone touchdown, by the way, to Kyle Rudolph hey, look, to win the game. We're going in circles because I, I agree. That was a clutch moment and good for him for sort of reversing the narrative. But it's one game. I mean, you take the whole sample size of his career as a starter, and he averages 1.6 yards per throw in the 10-yard line or closer. That's worse than running the ball with a fullback. He'd probably be better off quarterback sneaking at that point. It's it's tw- it's I mean, the worst in the league, and I wouldn't trust 1. him. 1.6 is a little out of context because you can only go 10 yards. You know what I mean? And an incomplete pass is zero. So... Uh, those stats can be super skewed. It's not out of context because I gave you the context. 27 eligible quarterbacks, and he's 27th. So that's the context. I mean, I get what you're saying. There's only 10 yards to play with, but at the same time, he's the worst at it. So listen, all I'm saying Where does- all I'm saying is you're comparing a quarterback who's had eight years to develop, right? You're comparing the last four years of his career to the first four of another, and the fact that we're even having this conversation and comparing them next to each other means that Carson Wentz's ceiling is tremendously higher. I mean, we've seen it. His ceiling is MVP of the league. Kirk Cousins has never received an MVP vote and most likely never will. The issue I mean, we've, the issue is injuries. Go ahead. I think if we saw Carson Wentz play through all of the seasons that he hasn't had a chance, if he plays in that Seattle game, we win that game. If he plays in the Super Bowl season, I think he wins a playoff game. Who knows what happens? You can't predict if we end up in the same position. Nick Foles was on fire, all that. But coming and saying Kirk Cousins has a playoff win, I mean, come on. That doesn't... That, that I mean, doesn't. I mean, he does. So? Is, is that not factual? Does he have a Super Bowl ring? No. Does Car- Did Carson Wentz earn a Super Bowl I think Bowl he ring? did. I mean, he took no. a team to the first seed and then got hurt in the last game of the season. We don't, make, we don't win sure, the Super Bowl if Carson Wentz doesn't have that kind of season. So I mean, you don't know. Like you just said, you don't know. You that, don't know, but, but you can easily predict that if he didn't get us to the first seed, it's a lot harder. I'm sure there's data somewhere that says if you don't have sure. the first seed, it's a lot harder to win a Super Bowl. It's got to be, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's that's, almost always yeah. first or second seeds. Win, yeah. For sure. So it was either the first seed or fourth seed at that point. And he was a big reason that we won the Super Bowl. Yes, Nick Foles carried us to the Super Bowl. Yes, he has a statue outside of NovaCare um, where the bums that we have at wide receiver are probably sitting next to it. You know, But I'm just saying, you're taking a player who sat for four years. No, three years. I mean, he sat three for years. Three years. Three. Developed, yeah. played, props to him, coming in as a fourth-round pick. But talent-wise, physical tools, there is no comparison between... Uh, between Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz. I mean, there's a ton of guys with better physical tools than Kirk Cousins, and a ton of them are washed out and not in the league right now as well. So uh, I, I don't know the correlation there. We're talking about guys and what they're producing right now, regardless of their talent. I didn't say Kirk Cousins was more talented. I just ranked him ahead of Carson Wentz um, because of what he's been able to show uh, consistently being on the field, what he's able to produce from a game-to-game basis, uh, his completion percentage, um, the way that he's he's moved that offense and kept things going. Um, has he struggled? For sure. And so has Carson Wentz at times. Uh, I mean, 
it's a team game ultimately. So it's hard to pin it on wins and losses and surrounding casts. And that's why people love to argue about quarterbacks because it's somewhat subjective to a certain degree. Um, and stats can be skewed or interpreted different ways. Um, and ultimately for me, I just felt like Kirk Cousins is better than Carson Wentz right now. And you're talking about ceilings and, and all that kind of stuff. That's great. A ton of people have big ceilings. We got to get there though. It's, it's not all potential. It's right now. Yeah, but he's not better right now. He's he's just not. So I, you know, where I think he is. Okay, that's, that's why we're the hardest place to to throw on the field. It's the red zone, right? Yes. Carson Wentz has played fifty five, no, fifty six career games, and his numbers in the red zone are some of the best in the league. And I'll name some quarterbacks, and you tell me if they're good quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, your boy, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Good quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm not. I, I've never said that Carson Wentz is not. You a good You have him below Kirk Cousins, therefore saying he's not a good quarterback. That is how that logic <laughs> That's works. Not true. It is true. That it is, is not, true. You're using Wentz has thrown 72 touchdown passes and two interceptions in his career in the red zone. Tom Brady, for reference, in that same time period, 76 touchdowns, four interceptions. Drew Brees, 81, five. Aaron Rodgers, 75, three. Russell Wilson, 83, four. All in the same ballpark. Sure. I have no question in my mind that if I have my team marching down the field and I had a choice at quarterback between Kirk Cousins and Carson Wentz, you bet your ass I want Carson Wentz out there once we get to the red zone to lead this team to a touchdown drive. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at stats right now inside the 20. You know what Kirk Cousins did this year? He had a good 2019. Yeah, yeah, but you take the rest and of his career. You know what he did? I mean, you're taking a small sample size. This is, your, this is your argument here with the small sample size in thing. In 2018, he also went 20 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 66 completion percentage inside the 20. If you had a good 2019, a good 2018, maybe he's gotten sort of over a hump and figured some stuff out and grown as a quarterback, sort of like you're saying Carson Wentz is doing through his career, even though he's younger. That's fine. But, again, you'll never truly be able to compare them the way that you want and and make your argument because they had different career arcs so the fact that we're eight years into to yeah. kirk cousins career makes this sort of a fallacy that you can say uh that he's better it just doesn't it the quarterback position inherently takes time to develop it takes time to learn the game and kirk cousins has more experience so the uh, Go ahead. You're again referring to like this thing that I'm not even arguing. Like I, I'm not saying Kirk, Kirk Cousins is better than Carson Wentz in perpetuity. I'm saying right now, based on where they are in their careers, they start at different times. They've developed differently. Some started week one. Some took three years. Right now, not in the future, not in the past. Right now. So like, do I think Carson Wentz can be a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins in a year or two? Like, after next year, could I change my mind? For sure. But I'm talking about right now. What I've seen, I like Kirk Cousins more. And I, I can't change your mind on that, but, I mean. <laughs> okay, this this is my time to hop in as the uh, resident third-party fact-checker that's been going on. Uh, so, first, I want to say the fact that, Casey, you want to make sure you want Kirk Cousins in a one-game playoff scenario over Carson Wentz. That, that, that's the overall argument, right? That right now you would want Kirk Cousins over Carson Wentz. Yes. Okay. That's crazy. Okay. <laughs> so I fact-checked, and both Kawhis have never had solid running games. So that kind of 
bounces it to their out. Except for last season, Dalvin Cook. Uh, that's kind of the one anomaly. But we gotta give more respect. Alfred Morris was the good. Web- Don't Alfred Morris had uh, a good season with the Redskins. He he started going downhill when uh, Kirk Cousins took over. But we look at the weapons that the Redskins had, and we are grossly underestimating them. Uh, they had Jordan Reed when he was in his prime and healthy. Pierre Garçon, who's a straight gangsta, I love that guy. Also, Jameson Crowder, who's a good receiver as well. Also, the Redskins had Boy Wonder, uh, Sean McVay calling plays. <laughs> so if you're under the belief that Boy Wonder is a good coach, which I am not one to say, then that's a lot of help. That being said, the Vikings offensive line is terrible. And besides Diggs and Thielen, they haven't had much to throw to. And Kyle Rudolph, yes, but in terms of the amount of weapons, for the most part, Carson Wentz has had more. Overall being said, though, Carson Wentz is twice as good a quarterback as Kirk Cousins, who doesn't suck, but he is your average quarterback. You can win with him. You you, you can win with him, absolutely, but you need stuff around him. I think Carson Wentz can do a lot more, but he's not as healthy. So if you had put a gun to my head and said, what quarterback is going to stay healthy for a 16-game season? You're going to Kirk Cousins. I mean, he's a safer option, and I see what you mean, Casey. Um, I was already biased going towards Carson Wentz to go in with it, but he did had me questioning at some points my thoughts <laughs> but uh overall i mean that was that was good that was good back and forth right there good stats being used good passion uh i wish you guys would have fought like maybe more personal insults but you know can't have it all no nah, we're we you know, we're time. uh we keep things civil here on the weekly spiral no no personal attacks just team attacks and player attacks uh <laughs> but i i respectfully disagree that the uh Vikings don't have as many weapons as the Eagles, and I don't know where that's coming from, Durgan, but hey. I mean, take away this past season, obviously not. But the Eagles in the past have had pretty good uh, supporting cast for Carson Wentz. Name one outside of uh, Alshon Jeffrey, a wide receiver. I mean, Jordan Matthews? Stupid. Jordan Matthews. Come on. Uh, that was, that was you know as a Niners fan as well as I do. Yeah. I'm saying that, that's very early in his career. I mean, he only really played Carson Wentz's first year. I mean, this is. A, I mean, I almost sound stupid for this, but Nelson Aguilar for being no, as bad no, no. as he is, that rep. No, he is not a terrible receiver. He he's cost us a playoff he's game. Not, he's not good. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying he's not terrible. And then Deshaun Jackson. I mean, can't stay healthy. Trey Burton, solid receiver. Trey Burton was a I mean, tight end. Is, and no, and no, 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 no. None well, of these guys receiving tight end. None of these guys are anywhere near the caliber of Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen was like the best fantasy wide receiver for a while. I'm saying. The Eagles have more depth in their weapons as the Vikings have their top two guys. Top, it's got three with Rudolph. And then the drop-off is huge. The Eagles have one pretty good player. We'll call Alshon Jeffrey a good receiver. He's, then he he's not Ertz. even a good receiver anymore at this point. He's, he's uh, a shell yeah. of himself, let's be honest. Talk, talk about right now, talking about the past four years. Talking about the past three or four years. And then Ertz, obviously, top tight end, one of the best tight ends. But then you have that Golden Tate. As a receiver, who played uh, miserably for the Eagles, it was a terrible he, trade. That, that's that's still but, a weapon. Okay. That's, that's, he's, still a weapon. he's still I mean, a baller. Darren Sproles, Miles Sanders, yeah. Jay Ajayi, Golden Tate, Brent Selleck at the beginning of Carson Wentz's career. There are pieces there. Okay. First of all, we're not. Saying I'm not talking about right running now. backs. I'm talking strictly wide receivers at this point. That's what we're talking about. And if you look at wide receivers, oh, we're talking about weapons in general. We're talking about wide receivers. When I mean weapons, I mean receivers. Well, you got to count Darren Sproles. Then you have to count Dalvin Cook. 
You can't say Dalvin Cook yeah, is an anomaly. We have. We have Dirty we have just said been. Dalvin Cook was an anomaly. Did you not? That one year. This last the, the year. Last year, yeah. Same, uh, that, that was reference to both running games and their careers not being uh, elite. Besides this one year with Kirk Cousins. Listen, you, you, you cannot part, tell me that Dalvin Cook is not a top 10 receiver. If he's, I mean, uh, running back if he's healthy. Oh, yeah. But right now he is. But I'm saying yeah, his first sure. two years, he did barely even played it. So it's I tough mean, to count you can, him as a... Compare that to a rookie, Miles Sanders. I mean, you compare Stephon Diggs to, like, let's say back when we had Torrey Smith. Like, I don't even understand how this is an argument that the Eagles haven't been plagued with receivers throughout, uh, with receiver issues throughout Carson Wentz's career. And he's still putting up numbers, especially in the red zone. Yes, you have great tight ends. Yes, you had some good running backs come through. But at the end of the day, a quarterback needs receivers to throw to. It's undeniable. It's why Dak Prescott is successful. It's why a lot of quarterbacks are successful. It's why Matt Ryan is successful. Look at Tom Brady. He's never had a legit yeah, receiver besides uh, Moss. And Tom Brady is the I mean, best Omen. quarterback in the history of the league. And Carson Wentz is doing yeah. really well without receivers. So my point is, yeah. he is doing a lot with a lot less than Kirk Cousins has ever had to. Yes, offensive lines have been bad. And Kirk Cousins is tremendously terrible under pressure. Fine. That's great. But at the same time, he has had weapons. He has had people to get the ball in his hands and then get those yards after catch. Carson Wentz has never really had that. I mean, that's just not true because we just listed guys. Like, we don't have to keep going in circles. At but the wide receiver position, guys. list a guy besides Alshon Jeffrey. Don't say Nelson Aguilar, I swear to God. <laughs> We're, I'm talking about weapons in general. I've never argued I've never argued that the receivers for the Eagles are better or equal to the receivers of the Vikings. But I think everywhere not else is sort of a wash bar tight end. I mean, running back, the, the Vikings are better. Tight end, Kyle Rudolph's a good tight end. They don't use him the way he should be used. You know, but he's a good tight end. Don't get it wrong. He's not on the same level as Ertz, but might equal out with Goddard. Middle of the pack. Sure, average. he's middle of the pack, but he gets the job done. You just said he caught that touchdown against the Saints. So, I mean, he's a good yeah, tight end. He's sure. not a bad tight end. He he's he's serviceable and he's a good starter. I mean, everywhere. Yeah, but throwing screens, if you're talking about yards after the catch and stuff, like throw a screen to Darren Sproles and he takes it 80 yards. Darren Sproles can't run 80 yards anymore, and he's not even on the team. He didn't even play I last season. I didn't even say he could do that right now. You had him with all of Carson Wentz's career from 2014 to 2019 is when Darren And he was a was situational there. player. He yeah. rarely was on the field. And he was a third down back. Sometimes in games he'd, he'd go on hot streaks and he'd play, but he's not he's not out there every down like Stephon Diggs I and mean, Adam Thielen. 1,500 yards. On purpose. He punt returned. No, catching, receiving yards. Oh, in his career with the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. Whoop de do. Adam Thielen had fifteen hundred yards yeah, in so one season. Saying, Adam Thielen had fifteen hundred yards saying, in a season. I'm no saying, receiver dude. had more than five hundred yards you're, last you're year. You're talking about Eagles. dude. You're tripping. We're you talking guys are, whatever you're smoking. I I'm want saying. some because it's good stuff. This is insane. Uh, <laughs> you're you're just I, arguing stuff that I'm not even trying to fight. Like, I th- I think, I'm just saying there are weapons on the Eagles. There, there are weapons, weapons on, the on the Eagles, not the same you're caliber to make it look as the like weapons on the Vikings. You're trying to make the Eagles seem like the fucking bad news bears where they <laughs> yeah. have fucking paper bags exactly. at receiver and running back. And that's just It not was the case. the case. We had people who I had never heard of playing wide receiver in a playoff game for us. So I don't know how you're going to say that. How many times do we have to say, we know the last end of the season, <laughs> we aren't counting that shit. We get it. They had no receivers at the end of the season. Why are you not counting that? We understand. That, you can't just count and not count whatever you want. We have acknowledged it. We have acknowledged it like 50 times. I'm saying there are other weapons that are p- capable of catching the ball and helping that offense that aren't a receiver. Yeah, the tight ends are you top just keep two referring receivers. to receivers. Yeah. Okay, so what? That's how teams are, are, are built. Is it or is it not easier to defend a team when there's no threat at the wide receiver position? 
it's easier. It's harder to defend a team with two elite tight ends, though. Is it I'd harder to defend a team with ends. two elite wide receivers, a good tight end, and an elite running back? Probably. Yeah, that's that's the Vikings, okay, of course. Not that is true, the Vikings, but that is the Vikings. No, it is. It is average tight end, and Dalvin Cook played well. The two receivers played well. Like like we've talked about this last year. Yes. Eagles struggled with the offensive skill positions. The Vikings had were healthy and, and good. But well, Thielen uh, was hurt, though. Thielen was hurt. He was hurt. He missed a, a stretch of games there. But, but I think we're talking in circles at this point, so I don't know that we need to really continue and, and listen. I'm, keep circling back. I'm just to trying the, to the call out Kirk Cousins the same way his receivers have for being <laughs> below average as a quarterback and his stats being a complete lie. I hey, just wish Carson Wentz was on the field. I wish, too. Complaints. No one wishes more. And he might be. All of his injuries were unlucky injuries. It's not as if he has a repetitive sort of knee injury or something that keeps flaring up. So we'll see. And hopefully he is out on the field. I'm going to end it there. I don't want to keep fighting. It's almost been an hour. <laughs> Appreciate you indulging me. Oh, that was great. And uh, going back and forth. Uh, but let's wrap things up here on episode 45 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening to us. Uh, probably argue for about 25 minutes now. Uh, I had fun. Hope you did too, Casey Durgan, uh, as, a, oh, as yeah. a listener. Hope you had fun as well. <laughs> uh, please check us out, our website, weeklyspiral.com. You can find all our social handles, latest blog posts. We got some really interesting video content coming up too down the pipeline. Casey, you want to give the beautiful listeners some uh, teaser as far as what you got coming up? Yeah, I'm sweating now. I'm so heated. I got all <laughs> riled up. Maybe you should do a Carson uh, Wentz and uh, Kirk Cousins video. I'll help you with it. <laughs> video. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, DK Metcalf video coming out tomorrow and Gardner Minshew blog post with breakdown coming down, uh, oh. coming out tomorrow as well. Nice. Or it'll be out when you listen. Nice. Yeah. You'll be listening to this on Wednesday. Go to weeklyspro.com. You can check that out and see why Gardner Minshew is in Casey's top five quarterbacks in the next five years. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's good. I, I know, I know that sounded, I, I know that sounds sar- sarcastic, but I like Gardner Minshew and I watched the video Casey made about Gardner Minshew and it convinced me even more that he has potential. So, uh, Durgan, what do you want to tell the lovely people yes tomorrow or when you're listening to this a jamar chase lsu receiver breakdown will be up and i think that jamar chase will be one of the best receivers if not the best receiver in short time he might have already been i mean he's a good receiver for sure excited to see that this has been a weekly spot production bringing you fresh football every week thank you again for stopping by and tuning in for episode 45 we hope you whatever you get up to the rest of the day evening morning whenever you're listening to this it is awesome and we will see you next week for episode 46